You are now tuned into Raven's Daily Bread.
feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I can see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. chapter 11, verses 8 through 11. We may be sorely aware of the deep shame, trouble, and pain inflicted on our families because someone, ourselves, or someone we love, is acting out his addictions. We may be afraid of admitting the exact nature of our wrongs because we don't understand how God could love someone who is so bad. Hosea was a prophet to the rebellious nation of Israel. God used his life to demonstrate God's unconditional love for us. The Lord told Hosea to marry a prostitute. He married her, loved her, and devoted himself to her. She relapsed into her own ways broke Hosea's heart, and brought shame on their family. She even ended up falling into slavery. God then baffled Hosea by telling him, go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel even though the people have turned to other gods. We may be asking, how could God or anyone still love me? But God asks, oh, how can I give up? How can I give you up? How can I let go? How can I destroy you? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. For I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you, and I will not come to destroy. There is absolutely nothing we can do or admit that God, that would cause God to stop loving us. God is committed to us, 
and our recovery, even when we want to quit and run away. Tear down coming after me. 
your shadow, you won't light up a mountain, you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie, you won't tear down coming after me. the 12 laws of recovery and the idea behind this sermon series well first off we got it out of the recovery bible in the back of it there's a list of these 12 laws and the idea the concept is that over time as we as we're working the program and we're in our recovery um, we're doing those things what ends up happening is these 12 laws become truth they become they become truth in our lives they become greater than what we thought and so on this one, we are on faith will result in hope, which is the sixth law. Faith will result in hope. So let's start with the question of what is biblical hope? Biblical hope is the confident expression, ex, sorry, the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength is in his faithfulness. I'm going to say that again. Biblical hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and his, his strength and his faithfulness. So our scripture for today, it is Romans chapter 15, and it's verses 1 through 13. Now these are all important for the entire sermon, so let's break it down, and here we go. Starting with verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement
encouragement they provide, we might have, here it is, hope. Yes. Verse 5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Verse 8, for I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. And here we're going to hear the promises now. Verse 9, and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Here's what's written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up. One who will arise to rule over the nations in him the Gentiles will, guess what? Hope. Verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with, one more time, hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So all of those words, they're important. They break down three concepts that we're going to talk about in the form of a question. Question one. What brings hope? Because there's a lot of times, there's a lot of places, there's a lot of people and situations and circumstances where we just don't feel hopeful. We don't like where life is going. We don't like what's going on around us. And we don't feel hopeful. So what brings hope? Well, endurance and encouragement brings hope. That's the short answer. Now, we see this in verses 1 through 4 where it talks about loving your neighbors, being good to your neighbors, because Christ did the same thing. And then in verse 4, it says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, here it is, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So through endurance and encouragement, we get hope. Notice verses 1 through 3, though. It's we who are strong enough ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. This describes endurance. How you are to, when it goes on, loving your neighbors and building good for them even though they're insulting you. This requires endurance. This describes endurance. Have you ever tried to love someone who doesn't want to be loved? <laughs> that takes endurance. And endurance is what it is, is it's the tenacity in the face of obstacles. Endurance is a grit. It's having grit in the face of difficulties. These verses describe being able to bear the failings of others. It describes pushing through obstacles. It describes pushing through those obstacles. You ever been in a situation where you had to push through? Have you ever experienced that? Pushing through, it's not stagnant. You're not just standing still. But pushing through means that you, you might not hit the brick wall, but you're going to push through the brick wall. Pushing through might look like continuing education, even when you don't know how you will. 
Pushing through could be not giving up on your goals. It's pushing through when the odds are against you, but you know that you will be victorious. You're pushing through things. It's pushing through when neighbors act like jerks and you're still kind. It's pushing through to put down the bottle and the pills and the drugs. Pushing through is when you are reminded that love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not boast. And love does not insist on its own way. Pushing through is when we remove our own desires and put someone else before us in love. It's an action. It doesn't stand still. And here's the thing, pushing through produces something important. Pushing through produces hope. When we are encouraged to push through, when we are encouraged to practice endurance, it produces hope. So when you become hopeful from all that pushing, then you ask yourself this question. What is one thing that hope even accomplishes? What's the point of it all? If you're not feeling very hopeful, you're not going to be hopeful about the word hope. You're going to want to know, what, do, what does hope give me? Why should I be hopeful? What is one thing that hope gives me? One thing it gives us is unity. And we see this in verses 5 through verses 12. I'm not going to read them all, but it talks about, and, and the prayer is that God, the same God who gives endurance and who gives encouragement, gives us the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ had. That's in verse 5. So that we can glorify God in one voice, in one mind, because he's worthy of it. He's worthy to be praised in unity. Why is this all, why is this so important? Because later in verse 12, it talks about, and it says, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, and him, the Gentiles, will have hope. So, so why, why is this verse in here? It seems like when they, they start talking about this hope and they start talking about um, unity, then they, all of a sudden it's like they switch gears and they start talking about praise. And that's because, have you ever paid attention that one of the things on the day of Pentecost, it says that they were gathered together and were in one accord. You want to see the Holy Spirit move? Be unified. Yes. Be unified. So that is why it's so important. And this is, this is monumental for us. This is important for us to hear because the Jews were not okay with God pouring out his spirit on Gentiles. They felt like, because they were chose God's chosen people, that they couldn't fathom that God would open up his family to others who weren't Jewish. I saw some questions in the midst of that. Those questions like, how often do we hold on to our recovery, not sharing our struggles, our strength, and our hope with others? How often do we see prejudices within the recovery community? 
It's like if you identify Jesus as your higher power, then you are usually rejected by many people in the recovery community. We're called the Jesus freaks and, you know, and all these other things. I am a Jesus freak, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that terminology, but, but the point is that people, then they, they, they tend to, to segregate us, and they tend to isolate us. And then you take it, and then you take it a step further. Something that's not even related to to recovery, but how often do we let petty differences divide the church? How often do we reject someone because we don't like their choice of sin? How often do we choose political parties over common sense and empathy? We forget that we are first, first residents of a different place. This is our home, but it's not our home. Our home is to come. We're just visiting here. You see, the Jews, they deemed the Gentiles unworthy of God's family, unworthy of God's grace, not just by words, but by their actions. They were basically more or less saying, you know what? We ain't got no hope for these group of people. Oh, well, there's no hope. So how often do we do that with those who need recovery? How often do we still do that within the church? Hope shatters the sins of the past, present, and future. Hope brings unity where there had been division. And why is that so important? That's on our next part. Our hope is found in the root of Jesse. So where do we find our hope? It's found in the root of Jesse, which is Jesus. People have tried to take our hope. They've tried to remove Jesus from his existence in literature, in, in programs, in, 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 in institutions. People have tried to remove Jesus. They are trying to remove our hope. Because that is who our hope is in. Yes. It's in Jesus. So what does hope look like? Verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what is biblical hope again? I'm going to say it again. Biblical hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised, and its strength is in his faithfulness. Biblical hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised. What has God promised according to verse 13? He promised to fill us with joy and with peace. And then as we trust him more, as we grow, as we step out a little bit more in faith, he promises that we will overflow with hope. We won't just have a little bit of hope. We won't just have a little bit of this over here in the corner. But it says overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. When you are filled with God's peace and you begin to trust in him, hope just begins to spill out. Just like as, as a vase that has holes in it. 
and you pour that water in, and as soon as you pour the water in, it spills out. It can't even get full because it just keeps spilling out over and over. It's overflow. It doesn't stop. And here's the, here's the, here's the beauty. Here's the beauty. Here's where it takes the pressure off of us because we like to put the pressure on us. We like to make everything about us. So here's the beauty of it is that overflow of hope it's not done by our might. You can't force yourself to be hopeful. But verse 13 tells us that it comes by the power of God's spirit. Where his spirit is, there is hope. So the biblical definition of hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength in his faithfulness. We can't measure, we can't manufacture hope even if we wanted to. We find it in his faithfulness. We can be confident in him. This is what hope looks like. If we're unsure of anything else in this world, in this life, this is one thing we can be sure of. We can be sure of him. We can be confident in God. And it looks like abundant overflow that can be trusted to happen just simply because God said so. He promises that when we run, that, that, that we will have hope when we run with endurance. That just simply means when we don't give up. When we push through, when we push through to those promises, then the promise is that we will have hope and we will feel encouragement. I don't know about y'all, but I needed that tonight. I needed encouragement. I needed hope. I needed to feel the hope that only the Holy Spirit can give. He promises that we will have hope when we trust in God's faithfulness, and he promises that it will be overflow. This is what hope looks like. Hope is not cocky. It's confident. Hope is not stingy. Your hope is to be shared. That's why it says overflow, poured out. Hope is there even when you're mistreated. Hope is there during the joys of life and the encouraging moments as well as the dark ones. People need an answer for why you're so hopeful. People need something to believe in and you have the hope they need. As a result, our faith, our faith will result in hope. Will you stand for the benediction? First Peter 3.15 but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See you guys next week. <laughs>